Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good. I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you guys just during that time of worship can just pause and just be thankful for what just happened. That we were able to come before the presence of the Lord today in this place and to worship the Lord with pure hearts, right? This is a great privilege for us, especially in this community and body of believers. This is what we're called to do as the church. So I just hope that you guys can just soak that in because that is such a sweet time. But I am excited to be with you guys this morning as we continue our series through the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to the book of Galatians. We're going to be in chapter 1. And so I'm going, to read, I'm going to read for us verses 11 through 17. You guys can stand with me as we read this word together. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 17, it says this. For I have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not, man, is not a man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned to Damascus. So that's what Paul is addressing here. Last week, I'm so thankful for Victor and, and unwrapping these verses of 6 through 10 for us last week because we get to the heart of the issue right away in verse 6. See, this is uncommon, uncharacteristic for Paul when he writes his letters here, okay? When you read through the other epistles, Paul has a, a typical standard in which he writes his letters. He does a greeting, and then he goes into a time of thanksgiving and prayer for the church, right? He goes and says, thank you for what you've done. I am praying for you. I'm so thankful for the example which you're setting, but not here. So immediately that sets the tone for the rest of this letter. Paul goes from his greeting straight into the heart of the issue here in verse six, where he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Boom, that's the tone. Paul's coming in hot and he ain't letting off. So obviously the, these churches have done something wrong to really make Paul upset. And that is that they are turning from the gospel. Not that there is another gospel, as we see there, that was we saw in verses 7 through 9, but the church had been deceived and they had turned away and deserted the gospel of grace through Christ. And they were deceived by believing that they could receive grace by the law and its standards, aka salvation through works. And that's not the case here. And then Paul, um, putting his foot down again, verses 8 and 9, he reestablishes them. He said, hey, if anybody were to add to this, let him be accursed. If anybody were to come to you and preach to you any other gospel, may they be accursed and, be, and feel the wrath of God. Hello. Wake up, people, right? This is, a, this is powerful for us to understand that when we say that we are believers in Christ, that we are only believing in Christ and Christ alone and nothing else. No man's tradition, no man's law, but grace through Christ. And then he 
ultimately wrapped up that section in verse 10 with the ultimate gut punch, in my opinion. This verse always punches me so hard. And I, I don't know about you guys, but verse 10 says, for, I am, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We need to wake up every single morning asking this question in our hearts. Today, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? Because if I'm pleasing man, I am not a servant of Christ. I'd ask that question this morning when I woke up. That's just because that's the nature of our heart. We have to ask that every single day. This is a stinging blow for us to ponder on. Because if we are all true servants of Christ, then we should not be so easily persuaded to follow after man's theology, man's philosophy, or man's tradition. Hello? But yet, we find ourselves in this endless cycle. Now, I know you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Josh, isn't this the same guy, Paul, who was once a passionate leader and teacher of, of Judaism before he followed Christ? Well, yes, absolutely. And that's why this message in which Paul is addressing is so powerful, because Paul knows the ramifications of the false gospel. He knows the effects and the danger that it can create and the destruction that it can create in the church. That's why he's addressing this with the, the churches in Galatia. So let's pick up here in verse 11. In verse 11 and 12, we read here, it says, for I, have, for I have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not a man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So again, we find it, we see here that Paul finds it necessary to reaffirm not only just his apostleship, but the gospel message here. Even though the first time, you know, it wasn't convincing enough, he's having to do it again here. This is significant though, because this creates a true, clear distinction between the true gospel and the grace of Christ from the false gospels that have been teaching or that have been and are still being taught and circulated today. What Paul's doing here is he is reassuring that the gospel that he taught and continues to preach was not received by man, nor was he taught by man as tradition was taught, but rather it was given to him through a special revelation through Jesus Christ, through the resurrected Christ. That's what separates his message from the, gospel, from the other gospels that are being taught by man. You see, we have a tendency with most man's tradition, it's something that we orally pass down to one another, right? But this is not that. This was revealed to Paul by Jesus Christ himself, the resurrected Christ, through a special revelation, which is a supernatural communication between God and humanity. And this is key towards Paul's credentials here as an apostle, because in order to be an apostle, you had to fulfill three things at this time. You had to have been called by Jesus or by the Holy Spirit, you have had to have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to do miraculous works. And then you had to have experienced the resurrected Christ. You had to have had done all these things in order to be considered an apostle. And that's where Paul finds his assurance in this. Because through his miraculous encounter with Jesus, if you guys can recall, on the road to Damascus, he can now confidently come before the churches and boldly proclaim this truth, this gospel. He could come to them with great confidence and judgment towards the false teachers because of his assurance in Christ. And this is huge for us because for any of us who are in Christ today, those who have a relationship with him, the same gospel that empowered Paul to write this letter is the same gospel that lives within you and I, for those of us who are in Christ. 
we can boldly come before one another and before the world and stand in confidence in the gospel because of, of the assurance that we have in his grace. And we should be walking in boldness of this gospel every single day, but yet we find ourselves still falling short and falling back into the ways of man. But just as Paul received this gospel message by special revelation through in Christ, we too who are in Christ have also received that same message. So just as Paul was called and Paul became a follower of Christ, for any of those of us who are in Christ, we have also been called. It's a beautiful thing. It's a special invitation. But as I said, because of this one fact towards Paul's apostleship, there was enough evidence here for the churches in Galatia to trust Paul and his message over any other teacher or message at that time, but yet they still turned away. How many of us find ourselves doing that today? How many of our churches are turning away despite this gospel message? Isn't that a scary thing? But here's the simple truth I want us to see so far in these verses here. And I read this in one of the commentaries I was reading, uh, the, the Christ-centered exposition commentary. It says this, it says about the gospel. Man did not invent the gospel. It comes from God through special revelation. It is therefore the standard. It is the standard by which we measure every other set of ideas in every other religion and philosophy. It is our standard. We don't need to look at what we're being taught in the world and say, hmm, does the Bible fit into this? No, it needs to be the opposite. Whenever someone tries to put pressure on us or, or, or we give into our peer pressure, we need to take that and we need to go back to these, to this, the very word of God. And we need to make sure that it, 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 it reaches this standard of expectation. And if it doesn't, then we don't even need to fool with it. Sorry, I'm getting really hot right now. <laughs> so again, if anybody is here today is struggling to understand what truth is, I challenge you to read this word. This is the truth. This is the living and active word of God that has withstood time. And this is where you can find your hope and assurance. For the word of God is truth and it is life and whoever chooses to drink of it will no longer be thirsty again. But obviously because Paul continues his letter, he didn't feel like that he had fully gotten the attention of the church, so he continues. So we're gonna continue. In verses 13 to 14 though, we begin to dive in. Paul sees that it is necessary for him to continue by sharing his testimony. And that's what we see here in verse 13. He says, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in, in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So that extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul, if his credentials weren't enough to prove for the Galatian people, he now turns to his testimony, and this, power, this testimony is powerful. Because again, Paul knew exactly the heart and the intentions of these false teachers at this time. That's why, he's, that's why it's important for him to share his testimony here. And to help uh, further understand where Paul comes from, I'm gonna read to you guys out of Philippians chapter three. This is gonna explain a little bit more his uh, credentials here. 
Philippians chapter three, verses four through six, it says this. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. This is Paul saying, he's, he's revealing to the Galatian people here, he's explaining his prestigious heritage and his desire to fulfill the law. He says, I understand what these guys are trying to fulfill. I was once that guy and I fulfilled it to the T. And not only was he trying to fulfill the law, but he wanted to fulfill it so much so that he was ready to go and to eradicate those who were against it. To the point to where he was violently persecuting the church. And take note of that here in verse 13, where he says, I persecuted the church of God violently. So it wasn't that he was trying to eradicate everybody, but he was single-handedly pointing out the church of God because of what it stood for. Because it was trying to do away with the man's traditions of talking about the gospel of grace in Christ and Christ alone, versus trying to fulfill it through the law. So Paul says, oh no, that ain't happening. In my former life, I was trying to eradicate that. He was extremely zealous for the law, but this is a pivotal point for Paul because like I said before, he knew exactly how it felt to be pursuing the false gospel. He was once in, the, in those teacher's shoes. And he knew the damage that it could create. And he knew that and he was gonna try everything to prevent this church from going and following his old footsteps. His testimony is powerful. And just like his testimony is powerful, our testimonies are powerful. So as we see here in his former life, Paul's heart was consumed by following the tradition of his fathers and of the law. He was that one person, guys, let me get this, let me paint this for you. He was that one person in our life that we've cast it out because we think they're too far gone. That's how zealous and far off the track he was. When people saw Paul, he said, oh no, that's that religious leader. He's so far gone that there's no way God can take him and turn him around and use him. There's no way God can reach him. Praise the Lord, people didn't think that of me because I wouldn't be here today. But what we see here is that when Christ encountered him again on, that road, to on uh, that road to Damascus, he broke that stone cold heart of Paul, the one that was so zealously pursuing the law, and he opened his eyes to the truth and it changed, it changed his life instantly. This is the beauty of the gospel. It can take the hardest of hearts and they can soften it up and it can turn it into the heart that is so intensely on fire for God. Anybody experience that in their life? And we see that here in verses 15 and 16 as he continues his testimony. Going on in verse 15, he says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Guys, this is where it gets good, okay? 
Because what we see here is that God chooses even the worst of the worst of sinners to advance his kingdom. This should give us all hope. For anyone who is in this room today and you are not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not too far gone to be saved. The Lord desires to bring us all back into his presence of grace. And he desires to use us. And this should, again, should bring us into humble submission before our Lord. If God could take a guy like Paul who was once so violently persecuting the church of God and turn him into a vessel for the gospel, then there is hope for every single one of us in this room, in this city, and in this world. Amen? Now, I know some of you guys are probably thinking, Josh, whoa, 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 you just don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand my experience growing up. You don't understand my home life right now. You're right, I may not fully understand what's going on in your life. But I'll tell you one thing, God does. You think God is surprised by your circumstances. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of the universe and everything that exists in it. You think he is surprised by your circumstances? Absolutely not. Do you think that he was surprised by Paul living his first 40 years of his life violently persecuting the church? No. He was not surprised by that, but yet he was excited because he knew he was gonna use Paul in his pre-life, in his pre-conversion to advance his gospel. There's purpose behind the things that we experience in this life. We cannot be ashamed or afraid of those things. It's what makes us human, but it's also what makes us humbly go before the Lord and to fully surrender to him because we cannot do it alone. God is not surprised by our circumstances, but rather he desires to use them for his good purpose. Again, we see that here in verse 15, it says, but when he who had set me apart, when? Before I was born. Before Paul was born, he knew what he was gonna do with him. What a beautiful picture of hope. Guys, that's what gets me up in the morning. Because I know that despite my sinful flesh, the Lord desires to use me and he desires to shape me and mold me and grow in me. And he desires the same exact thing for every single one of you in here who has a heart. If you don't have a heart, I don't know what to tell you. But we all have hearts, believe it or not. Again, I just want you to take note of something though. There is nothing special here about Paul, nothing. Paul is just a sinner like you and I. There is no, there's nothing about him physically, nothing about him mentally, nothing. Sure, he was a smart guy. He was able to learn a lot of knowledge. But there's nothing special about him. You can have all the knowledge and wisdom in the world, but without Christ, there is no point of it. There was nothing special about him except for the power that lived in him and the power that lives within you and I today. That is what makes him special. That is what makes us special and unique. It's the power of Christ that lives within us, that can only be attained through his grace and grace alone. 
But Paul continues on in verse 17, and we see the effects of what it means, of, of, of Paul's conversion here. So verses 13 and 14, we see Paul's pre-conversion. Verses 14 and 15, or 15 and 16, we see Paul's conversion and coming to know the Lord and the effects of, of his conversion. And now verse 17, it goes on and says, nor do I go up to, uh, to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away. I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. As a result of the Lord calling Paul specifically, we see an amazing response. Paul immediately, what? Goes. There at the end of verse six, it says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem where the, the apostles were before me, but I went away. I went as a result of the gospel because of the transformational power that it had in my heart. I did not care about man's philosophy. I didn't care about man's expectations or laws. I just knew that Christ and through his grace changed my life forever. And I just went and I went to Arabia and I went uh, again back to Damascus to share this good news. So he immediately goes, he didn't consult with anyone. He didn't go back to his teachers. He didn't go back to the other Jews nor did he go to his parents, nor did he go to his friends, nor did he call or, or you know, type it on Facebook, make sure it was actually correct, okay? No, he just went. And believe it or not, it wouldn't actually be for another three years as we see in verses 18, 18 through 24 at the end of this chapter that he would actually go before the apostles and, and consult with them. So he would go for three years after the Lord placed a calling on his heart to go and share the gospel before he even conferred with any of the other apostles. That's amazing. And when he did finally meet up with the apostles, guess what? They realized, oh, you're preaching the same gospel as me. Praise the Lord, go, go back and continue to do what you're doing to the Gentiles. Share the gospel message with them because whatever the Lord did in you, it's working, go and do it. And for any of us who are in Christ today, that's exactly the heart that we need to have. We need to take that gospel message in which the Lord put in our hearts that transformed our hearts from a sinful and broken heart to one that has been purified and made right before the Lord. And we need to go, we need to share that gospel message to all those around us. That is our act of spiritual worship to God to go and to share the gospel message. You know, I was reminded this week uh, of a quote of John Piper and uh, about the church and, and the function and uh, what the church is intended for, right? Uh, many of us, in our, especially in our culture today, think that the, the purpose of the church is to go and be mission, be missional minded, to be missionaries, right? That's not the purpose of the church. That's in overflow of the church, but the purpose of the church, the purpose of you and I is to worship. We are to worship God. And by us worshiping God, the overflow of us worshiping turns into missions, turns into evangelism, turns into reaching the lost. And if we're not doing that, then are we truly worshiping? And if we're not doing that, have we truly been transformed? 
by the renewal of our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus? Let that sink in for a second. If we are not passionately pursuing the Lord in our everyday life, has the Lord truly transformed us? This is the heart of what Paul is trying to address here with the Galatians. He said, if the Lord has truly transformed your life and you truly believe the gospel of grace in Jesus, you should have no other desire of any other man's theology, law, expectations, but rather you need to be all consumed with this. Of course, they didn't have this back then, but you should be consumed by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do the works in which he's called you to do. Are y'all with me? Are y'all ready to do this? I want you to really consider that before you answer. <laughs> but the simple truth is this. For anyone who has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus and his grace, his grace is sufficient for you. You don't need to add anything to it. You don't need to take anything away from it. It is perfect. His grace is sufficient for you. So be bold and always ready to defend your faith as Peter talks about in 1 Peter. We need to be bold and ready to defend our faith. So as we wrap up, as we close, what does this mean for us today? Well, there's never gonna be a time where we don't have to be on guard, I'll tell you that much. There's never gonna be a time in our life where we have truly arrived and we don't have to be on guard against the evil one who's trying to scheme against us. It doesn't matter how old you are, you always need to be on guard. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer, you always need to be on guard. Because even the mighty fall, right? There's always going to be men and women in this world who are seeking to distort the truth of the gospel. And if we're not putting on the full armor of God every day and allowing the gospel to renew our hearts as we wake up, we will be deceived. We will fall into man's tradition and man's theology, man's philosophy, into the expectations of this world. And the churches of Galatia are the prime example of this. That's why Paul's writing this letter to him. So may we press into God's grace and allow him to lead us in these days to come, especially students. Please hear me. Y'all live in a time, like I said before, and I feel like I say this to you guys all the time, so I'm sorry if I'm a broken record, but y'all live in a time where you just cannot escape any of these social pressures. Everything is in front of you. And if you're not on guard against what the media and what social media are trying to portray to you, man, you're gonna be, you're gonna be walking down a dangerous path. And teachers and parents, and, and church members, if we are not praying, if we are not doing our due diligence to set them up for success, we have failed the next generation. Y'all feeling the weight of this? But I want to close with this. I'm going to close on a high note. In Philippians chapter 3, we're going to go back there. Verses 7 through 11, these are the words of Paul. It says, But whatever gain I had, talking about in Judaism and in the flesh, or in the law, 
I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Again, but whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I have put them all aside, he says, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or of man's theology or man's philosophy or anything that they will place on me, but rather that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on, or that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, that if by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Man, this needs to be our daily prayer. That when we wake up, that we will understand that it is far greater for us to put everything aside and to follow after Christ. Nothing in this world will satisfy compared to the surpassing love and grace of Christ Jesus, our Lord. 